The CBS Radio Mystery Theater presents... Come in. Welcome. I'm E.G. Marshall. The shot of accident. The dart of chance. How well we know them, from legend and from life. Who aims the shot? Who throws the dart? Who rolls the dice? Who spins the wheel? Who hurls the bolt? Someone? Anyone? No one? What? What happened? You almost drowned, Tony. This gentleman saved your life. How did you happen to be here? Do you come to this beach often? Actually, I never go to the beach. What made you come here today? I don't know, I... It's just that something seemed to say, go to Plum Beach today. Something said? Yeah. Something, don't ask me what, said. Our mystery drama, The Instrument, was written especially for the Mystery Theater by Sam Dan and stars Ralph Bell. It is sponsored in part by True Value Hardware Stores and Buick Motor Division. I'll be back shortly with Act One. His name is Anthony Warlock. And he has long ago stopped trying to convince people that it's his real name. The name he was born with. Parish records in Cornwall and Devon show warlocks going way back to the late 1200s. The problem is that the name is too fortuitous because Anthony Warlock happens to be a writer who specializes in mysteries, mostly of a supernatural or occult nature. For 20 years now, Anthony Warlock has been writing his cryptic novels and short stories filled with mysticism and symbolism. But it has suddenly occurred to him that the most mysterious of all worlds is not one that he may conjure in his imagination, but this one, the world he lives in. Tony? Mm, just this last sentence, Ruthie. Ah, yes. Listen, Ruth. Mm-hmm. And now he gazed upon the face of death, the dark face of death. It was a face of compassion and kindness, Suddenly he understood that death was not the villain, but the hero of the drama. Death, the healer of sorrows. Death had come not to take, but to give rest and joy and peace everlasting. Honey, like that. It's all right. All right? I can buy death bringing rest and peace everlasting. But joy? Well, I needed that speech rhythm. Da, 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 da. <laughs> well, find another da, da. Mm, yeah. What time is it? Uh, one minute to eight, exactly. And you better be out of that door in five seconds. Well, I'm already. I'm wearing my sneakers, my sweatshirt. Here I go. I'll start at eight on the head, as usual. Going to try to beat your record? No, no, no. I'll do my usual mile in four minutes, 32 seconds. How many men of 42 can even run a mile? Hmm? All right, move. <laughs> I'll be at Feelings four and a half minutes from now on the dot. Uh, do you want anything? Oh, just the morning paper. Right. Oh, that has to be for you, Tony. Oh, damn it. Nobody I know is up this early in the morning. Now, go for your run. 
whoever it is can call back. No, 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 no. It has to be Harrison. I better talk to him. Hello. Yes, I thought it was you, Dick. Well, they give me an advance on it. Oh? Well, it's not all that much money, but uh, if they'll spend something on promotion... I have an agent. His name is Dick Harrison. He was very excited. He said he had a new publisher lined up, and he couldn't wait to talk to me about it. We were on the phone for an hour with a great many details that I'm sure would be of no interest to you. And finally, I was able to hang up. Well, what's up? I'm not sure. What did he say? Now that I think about it, not very much. But surely he had a reason for calling. It was a typical Dick Harrison reason. Maybe. Perhaps. Perchance. It's possible. On the other hand. But it all adds up to nada. Garnished. Nothing. Oh, I don't know. There's a needle somewhere in that haystack. Poor Dick. He has to keep proving he's really out there fighting for you. Why don't you change agents? No, I don't know. I'm used to Dick. But he never does anything for you. Well, I'm used to the way he never does anything. (laughs) I can't go around breaking in new agents at my time of life. But what has Dick Harrison ever done for you? Hey, how about a cup of coffee, huh? Don't you want to go out and run? Oh, it's after eight. Hey, did you uh, hear a noise back there while I was on the phone? I'm not sure. I'm busy trying to make sense of your conversation. I may have. It sounded like an explosion. An explosion? Yes, yes, I think so. I wonder what it was. Well, it could have been anything. Well, bring in that cup of coffee and I'll keep going to lunch. If you're not careful, you'll actually finish that book on schedule. Yes, I'm getting into some bad habits in my old age. I placed a fresh sheet of paper in the typewriter. Get to write. Words started to come slowly. The idea seemed fuzzy and ill-formed. My mind wandered from the story. It bothered me. This is the way you feel when you're not sure where you're going, but I had this particular story well under control. I knew exactly where I was headed and how I proposed to get there. Furthermore, I liked the story and how I was doing it. It should have been clear sailing, but for some reason, my mind had gone completely blank. I don't know how long I just sat there and gazed at the empty paper. Tony. Tony. Hmm? What? Something wrong? Wrong? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, I, I haven't heard that typewriter in over an hour. Well, I guess I must have been daydreaming. Oh, well, you generally don't run out of steam in the morning. It must be a sign of advancing age. You know something, Tony? You seem to be on an age kick this morning. Oh, is that so? Yes. A review of your conversation. You began by asking how many men of 42 could even run a mile. So? And then when I said something about getting a new agent, you replied you didn't care to break in another one at this time of life. Well, I'll say one thing for you. You really listen. And then you said you were getting into some bad habits in your old age. And just now, you mentioned advancing age. I didn't realize you were keeping score. So, Tony? Oh, I don't know. Maybe I just realized I'm 42. Oh, 42 isn't old. No, but 42 isn't 22. Not by a long shot. Would you like to be 22 all over again? Would you? Well, I never think about things that can't happen. Tony, something wrong? Yes, I suppose something is. What? Everything. Everything? I see. 
Does that include you and No, me? no, 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 no. We're all right. It's just... Uh, I just don't think I'm going anywhere. Oh, is this going to be the what-did-I-do-with-my-life lament? Do you ever look at yourself in the mirror? Oh, constantly. Don't you ever ask, what am I doing here? Where am I going? I know where I'm going. I am the product of 800 years of warlocks. More than 30 generations. And now the line comes to an end. In me. I'm sorry, Tony. What was it all for? I don't know. Sir Roderick Warlock died fighting for Edward I. John Warlock fought with Henry IV. Sir Ronald Warlock almost saved Charles I from Cromwell. James Warlock was a master gunner under John Paul Jones. Darling, I am completely aware of the magnificent exploits of your illustrious family on both sides of the Atlantic. My father died at Pearl Harbor. My grandfather... Well, all I can say is everybody in my family's been a soldier, a sailor, an explorer, an adventurer. I'm the only sit-at-home, the only writer... Not really very much of a writer. Oh, now, Tony, Tony, that isn't true. You're quite a writer. Oh, yes? What have I written? Scary little ghost stories? I don't think that's being fair to yourself. Mysterious nonsense about... about what? The occult, the supernatural. And then who says it's nonsense? I say it's nonsense. Oh, we really are having a bad morning, aren't we? And what brought it on? Oh, how do I know? I thought was so... About what? You know about what? I know what your family name means. It's going to die with you because I can't... No, 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 no. I don't want to hear any more about that. Ruthie, I'll tell you what bothers me. The fact that I'm a nobody. But you're not. I have a small talent. I have a small success. I've led a small life. I'll be buried in a small grave. Everybody gets buried in a small grave, relatively speaking. Let's play tennis. Good. Now, you've had your outburst for the year. Yeah, I suppose so. Look, Ruthie, about kids... I stand ready at any time to give you your option. I love you, Ruth. So please, let's never talk about it again, huh? Oh, uh, incidentally, uh, call Fielding's for me. Ask him to save me the paper since I didn't pick it up this morning. All right. We'll have lunch at the club and, uh... You want to get in nine holes this afternoon? Oh, sure. What a difficult life you lead. Tennis, lunch, golf. I work hard, too. That's funny. What's funny? Buildings doesn't seem to answer. Well, he has to answer. Well, maybe he's closed. Why would he be closed? Oh, you shouldn't have hung up. Maybe he's waiting on a customer. But you know how he hates the sound of a ringing phone. Why didn't he answer? Hey, I thought we were going to play tennis. Well, let's stop off at Fielding's on the way to the club and get some papers. Say, what's that smell? Smell? As if something's burning. You know, I think you're right. Where could it be coming from? You know, while you were on the phone before, I thought I heard fire engine. Must be a big one going to... Tony! Tony, look! Look out the window! Smoke! Hey, that's coming from just over the rise. Toward town. Kind of thick, very black. Well, what could be on fire? Let's find out. We got into the car and headed toward the village. As soon as we passed the bend in the road, we saw what it was. Thick black smoke was rising from a small clump of stores that made up the shopping center at Crosby Corners. All the fire equipment was out, and the sheriff's patrol car was diverting traffic. 
There seemed to be wreckage of some sort scattered all over the road. And then I immediately recognized it for what it was. The broken fuselage, the shattered wings of an airplane. Sheriff Pomeroy was directing traffic. You're not coming any closer, Mr. Warlock. Uh, make a detour right here. Well, what happened, Sheriff? Well, you can see one of them small jets, private plane, come down and crashed right into buildings. Oh, good Lord. Any, uh, anybody hurt? Yeah, three people on the plane, old man buildings, and some lady we can't identify her must have been uh, one of the summer people. Oh. Dead? Yeah. Oh, Tony. Tony, look, look. What do you want me to look at? The clock. The electric clock in Fielding's window. In what's left of Fielding's window. You see, you see, it, it stopped when the plane hit. That's right, Miss Warlock. Exactly four minutes after eight. Four? Four and a half minutes after eight. See? See where the second hand is? Exactly 32 seconds after. Oh, Tony. Aren't you feeling well, Miss Warlock? You, uh, better get out of here. Uh, this place, it, uh, ain't a pretty sight. Rookie? Yes. You want to, uh, stop somewhere, have a drink? No. Well, Tony, do you realize what happened this morning? Yes. Every day of the year, rain or shine, you leave the house at exactly 8 a.m. You run a mile to Fielding's. In exactly four minutes and 32 seconds. I know, I know, I know. And so at four and a half minutes after eight, you're always standing in front of buildings. You've already picked up your newspaper off the stand, and you're looking at the headlines. That's what you do every morning. Yes. But this morning, you were about to leave. And at the last split second, you stopped. You didn't go. Oh, Tony, is there a reason? An explanation? <laughs> Are you perhaps waiting for me to explain it? Well, at this point, I don't know. And even if I did, I certainly wouldn't tell you this early in the story. So I shall be back in just a few moments with Act Two, at which time we may find the answer, and then again, we may not. creature of habit. And surely Tony Warlock is no exception. Every morning, Tony runs a mile from his home to the general store in the village. He arrives there promptly at four and a half minutes after eight. You can set your watch by him. Well, this morning, for the first time in years, Tony was delayed. And at four and a half minutes after eight, a plane crashed into the store. Had Tony been standing in his usual place at his usual time, but he wasn't. And the question that runs through his mind is, why? Why wasn't I on this morning of all mornings? Why? Why? It's a miracle, darling. It's a miracle. Of course, it's a miracle. But that doesn't answer the question. Why was I saved? Five people are dead. The three in the plane, Mr. Fielding's, and a woman named Mrs. Jane Gray. Why was I saved? The people in the plane died because their aircraft underwent some malfunction. Mr. Fielding's and Mrs. Gray, they, they just happened to be there. I should have been there, too. Why wasn't I? 
Why was I saved? Because Dick Harrison called you at exactly 8 a.m., the split second you were about to leave. Suppose I had listened to you, Ruthie, and fired him and got myself a new agent. He never would have called me. And I would have... Let been... this be a lesson to you. Never listen to me. Oh, no, no, no. I should listen to you. You're always right. And I always do listen to you, except in this one case. Dick Harrison. All these years, I've stayed with Dick. It's obvious he hasn't done very much for me. He's probably held me back. And yet, for some reason, I never let him go. Why didn't I fire Dick Harrison? Was it because I couldn't, or was it because I would need him to save my life one day? But how would I know that? I don't know. Why did he call me this morning? Why? Why don't you ask him? Hey, Tony. Oh, I'm sorry I'm late. It's all right, Dick. I never expected you to be on time. Oh, it was all in your interest, Tony, baby. I was with this top Hollywood producer. He's crazy about your books. And we're just about ready to talk a deal. This is going to be six figures. <laughs> what brings you in from Rootville into the big town, huh? Dick, why did you call me this morning? Why did I call you this morning? Yes. <laughs> well, I had this deal. What deal? There was no deal. Now, Tony... Why did you call me? Well, I... Uh... The same another chorus of the same song and dance you've been giving me for years, is that it? No, just a second. That was why you called me, wasn't it? Just tell me the truth, huh? Okay, Tony. Maybe it's uh, time you got yourself another agent. At one minute to eight, you picked up your phone. Tony... Look, oh, okay, I saved your life that time at the beach. You dialed my number. Well, you more than paid me back. I get you publishers, but nobody. Well, you couldn't get by yourself, and as far as the biggies are concerned, you know you need an agent with more clout than me. Why? Why did you dial my number at 8 this morning? Tell me, Dick, tell me. I said I don't know. Now, think, Dick, think. Was there a reason? Try to remember. Tony, I'm going to level with you. I'm scared. I, I've been bad for you, real bad. I, I've been playing on your sense of loyalty and gratitude. And you, you, you know what I mean? I don't care about that. The reason, please. I got home last night. Must have been a four this morning. I was with this dame. I tell you something. I must be getting old. Anyhow, I, I couldn't sleep. I don't know why. I, well, I thought about you. Yes. For hours, I kept tossing and turning and thinking about you. And why? And I know what's going on between you and Ruthie, as far as I'm concerned. I've been getting getting a free ride. I, I know that. And, and lots of times, maybe my conscience bothers me. Maybe I've been hinting around you could do better elsewhere, but... But what? Well, lately, things haven't been breaking too well. I mean, the kind of thing I'm supposed to be good at. You know, singers, actors... I'm losing clients there, too. Today, you got to be a big organization. You have to be able to put packages together. Now, please, Dick, don't get off the subject, huh? So I I need you, Tony. I, I really need you. Dick, just tell me why you called me this morning at 8 o'clock. Oh, I'm, I'm getting older, Tony. Get to the point, please. This is the point. Last night, I, I suddenly realized I'm... You know how old? Guess how old I am. I'm 42. Do you realize that? 42? Me? I'm 42. 42 isn't the end of the world, you know. It is. 
If you're going no place. If you haven't made it. If you realize all of a sudden you're never going to make it. Never. What have I got? I, I ask myself. I, I got Tony Warlock. That's all I got. And so I got worried. Something said to me. Yeah? Something said call him. What was that something? It was just something. I, it said call him. Leave him know you're around. That that you're in there pitching. And, and I am, Tony. I am. What was this something? Well, how do I know? Was it a voice? A voice? No, no. I, I didn't hear a voice. Then what was it? Well, what does it matter? I have to know, Dick. It, it's a, a feeling. Yeah? It, it's it, it's a feeling. It's it's in your bones. What kind of a feeling? Well, I, I just knew I'd better go to that phone and dial your number. And, well, that's all I can tell you. All right. I guess that's good enough, Dick. I guess that's good enough. It was good enough, and I remembered it had also been good enough once before. Fifteen years before, when he'd also saved my life. We were at the beach, Ruthie and I. Hey, how about coming in? No, I don't think so. The surf looks a little rough. Oh, that's nothing. Well, there's no lifeguard on duty. Oh, all we're going to do is take a little swim. No, no, I don't think we'd better. Well, I'm not. All right, I'll be right back. No, Tony, you really shouldn't. Ruthie, it isn't as if I don't know how to swim. The fact is, I'm a very good swimmer. I ran into the waves and began to move out. The water was cool and refreshing. I could see Ruthie standing at the edge. She looked quite small, waiting at me to come back in. I laughed and waved back. By this time, I must have been a hundred yards offshore. Finally, I decided I had enough, and I started to swim back. And suddenly, there was a, a terrible pain in my legs. I was seized by a sudden cramp. My body seemed paralyzed. I realized I should have tried to float. Surely I should have kept my head, but the pain was so intense that a surge of panic seized control of me. I waved my arms wildly. I shouted for help. I got in a mouthful of water. I started to go down. Down. Uh, suddenly, hold still. Hold still. Just relax. Don't fight me. I'm, I'm drowning. I'm drowning. No, you're not. Now, don't fight me. Just relax. Let go of me. I've got you. Let go. That's it. Now lie still. I'll pull you in. Oh, how can we ever thank you, Mr. Uh, Harrison. Oh. Dick Harrison. I'm sorry I had to sock him. Oh. I... I don't think I'll ever want to swallow anything again as long as I live. <laughs> Listen, uh, a little drink and you'll be first rate. Where did you come from? Where? <laughs> Well, I just happened to be swimming out there, and you see, I'm just as big a fool as he is, except uh, I didn't get a cramp. But how did you happen to be out there? Well, that's a great question. The, the answer is, uh, I don't know. Do you come to the beach often? No. The, the truth is, I hardly ever come to the beach. Uh, oh, I'd much rather swim in a pool. So, uh, how's it happen you were out there today? I just had a feeling I... Wanted to go to the beach. Well, what kind of a feeling? Oh, just, um, you know, there's a, 
no way to explain it. I just got a feeling, that's all. And because of a feeling you can't explain or even understand, I'm alive today. That was how it happened 15 years ago. And that's what it also happened this morning. A feeling, a mysterious feeling, had prompted Dick Harrison to do something. As a result, my life was saved. Two stark and dramatic instances, and each death was certain. Fifteen years ago, I would surely have drowned. This morning, I would have been killed beyond doubt in the flaming wreckage of the plane that destroyed the fielding store. And as I thought about it, there were other instances, small perhaps, but was it all a part of a pattern? What are you thinking about, Tony? The number of times that Dick saved my life. Oh. Well, the first day we met him at the beach. This morning, of course. Oh, there were others. I don't remember others. <laughs> Twice in 15 years is good enough. Oh, I remember some years ago. I lent him the car. Yes? When he returned it, he said, uh, take it in to be looked at. Well, I don't remember that. Well, he checked the brake fluid. It was practically all gone. I had a leak in the master cylinder. Oh, yes. I could have stepped on the pedal and discovered the hard way that I had no brakes. Of course. Suppose we'd have had to make a sudden stop or we might have been going down a steep hill. Well, you can write the ending to that little script yourself. But I'll never forget what he said to me that day. I thank you, Dick. It's a lucky thing you found out about the brakes. Yeah, I guess it is. I'll have to become more like you, Dick. Oh, in one way. I'll have to be more careful about a car. Check it out carefully the way you do. Well, I'm not careful at all. Yes, but you actually went to the trouble of checking the brake fluid. Yeah, and, and you know something, Tony? <laughs> I never did a thing like that before. What are you saying? Well, I practically never look under the hood. You don't? No, I just get in and drive. Well, what made you do it this time? I, I, I don't know. I I just got a feeling. I, I just got a feeling I'd better look under the hood. That's all I can tell you. I <laughs> just got a feeling. And so, here we are in the realm of feelings. But, of course, as human beings, it's the only kingdom we know. Although there are those who will deny it, the practical fact is that one weak feeling can overpower a thousand strong facts. So, we shall now concern ourselves with those things that cannot be proved, but which make up the reality of our lives. A heavy burden. But Act 3 will be equal to that task. I cannot believe, said Albert Einstein, that God chooses to play dice with the universe. But yet, if life is not a game of chance, what is it? It's been likened by some to a song. All right, we can buy that. But even here, is it precisely orchestrated? Or is there room for improvisation? That, you see, is the problem. There's never an answer. Only more questions. On three occasions, Dick Harrison had saved my life. Could these have been accidental interventions? One, perhaps... Two, maybe. But three? And these were three that came rapidly into mind. Had there been others? Less dramatic, not quite so obvious? 
Yes. Yes, we had planned a cruise. An around-the-world cruise, some six months in advance. On the strength of an assignment Dick was supposed to have gotten for me. I remember the day he came to see me. Oh, Dick, come on in. Oh, hi, Tony. Did you bring the contract? With the contract? For the uh, motion picture rights. Oh, that contract. You know, I, I think I will write the screenplay. Look, uh, Tony, uh... I know what the book really should say. Yeah, uh, about the contract. Uh-uh. Well, there was this problem. Mm-hmm. Which problem? I thought there were no problems. Everything well, was set. So all I had to do was sign it. Well, uh, they weren't sure. What weren't they sure about? If they wanted to do a book about, uh... About what? About, you know, this mystic stuff you write about. Anyhow, uh, the deal's off for a while. Ah. Uh, I'm sorry. We'll get another one. Yeah, sure. No, I mean it. Oh, you'll see. I guess I'll have to break the news to Ruthie. She was really looking forward to that cruise. Well, like I said, Tony, I'm real sorry. It was for next August. We had the book six months in advance. I already sent in the deposit. Well, you know this business. <laughs> Who was it that said, uh... There's many a slip between the cup and the lip. Yeah, but you had already told me that I was actually drinking. Well, you know what I believe, Tony. I really and truly believe that everything happens for the best. I had a hard time convincing myself of that. And an even harder one convincing Ruthie. But after a while, we both forgot about it. It must have been some six months later, Ruthie called my attention to a story in the paper... Look at this, Tony. Hmm? Fire on cruise ship, the SS Paradise Island, and route to... Why is that uh, name familiar? Oh, I know. We were supposed to be on that boat. The SS Paradise Island, that's right. Anyone hurt? No. Oh, yes, yes, one person. He died. He, he was in his cabin. Well, that's all. The only casualty. Died of smoke inhalation. Fire with a ventilator. Well, just think... We would have been on that cruise. Hmm. Well, the boat got back to normal quickly enough, according to the paper. Another one of Dick Harrison's great triumphs. <laughs> Why do you stay with him? I often ask myself the same question. And what answer do you come up with? I don't know. That was, what, ten years ago? At least. And I'd forgotten all about it. But now I had to find out. We had booked passage on that cruise ship, and because of Dick's failure, carelessness, whatever, but because of Dick, we had canceled the trip. And then there had been a fire on the ship. One man had died in his cabin. Just one man. There had been just this one casualty. But one could be enough. If you're the one, I had to be sure. What are you looking for? Oh, uh... All these check stubs and receipts. <laughs> My goodness, Tony, don't we ever throw anything away? Well, why should we? Why? Because you get all cluttered up with paper. Would you throw away a drawer full of old snapshots? Of course not. Oh, is that so? Why not? Because they tell the story of your life. <laughs> so do these old pieces of paper. Mm, but what are you looking for? Ah, ah, yes. Hmm? Received from Mr. Anthony Warlock the sum of $100 as a deposit for... Cabin B-37. SS Paradise Island, World Cruise, leaving New York, August 23rd, 19... Oh, I remember. But why didn't we go? I forget. Ruthie, I, um... Uh, I have to go to New York tomorrow. Oh, 
but it's so hot. Well, I have to go to the uh, library. The library? Uh, it's the only place I can think of uh, to get some special material. I couldn't tell her the real reason I was going in. I'd seen in the paper that the SS Paradise Island was in port, getting ready to sail on another cruise. I had to find out about a certain cabin. I just had to. And after I got off the train, I went right to the west side where the Paradise Island was docked. How was I going to find the answer to my question? Anyway, I joined the happy, noisy crowd and walked aboard. I was looking for a crew member, not an officer, but an older person who liked to talk. Well, she found me. An elderly, chubby, good-natured stewardess. Trying to find your cabin, sir. Uh, yes, I'm uh, trying to find my friend's cabin. Mm. I've been invited to a Bon Voyage party. Oh, there's no end of them. <laughs> What's your friend's cabin number? Well, no, I, I don't remember. Tell me his name. I can look it up on the passenger list. Well, it's not my friend's cabin exactly. It's his friend's. And uh, he invited me to his friend's party, and I, I, I don't know his friend's name. Well, I suppose you'll just have to search the ship. Hope you find him before we sail. This is a beautiful ship, isn't it? Oh, my, yes. I've been with her since she was commissioned 12 years ago. Haven't missed a single trip. I was on uh, board here, uh, well, to say farewell to a friend about, uh, must have been 10 years ago. Were you? Yes, I remember, because uh, that was the trip where she caught fire. No, she did not. There was a lot of smoke and all, but it was a ventilator problem. But uh, one of the passengers died, didn't yeah, yeah, poor man. I knew him. I was assigned to his cabin. I never had a chance. I'm sorry to hear about that. It's my only unhappy memory in all my years at sea. Well, I suppose you remember it well, huh? Oh, yes. It was two o'clock in the morning. The alarm was sounded. I was able to get all my passengers on deck. But I was too late for Mr. Grayson. Poor Mr. Grayson. Cabin 37. Right here. B deck. Cabin B, 37. Funny thing. The only reason he got that cabin was because someone else I didn't say another word. I couldn't. I walked off the boat. I wandered into a bar. Something I rarely do when I'm alone. I ordered a drink. I took the receipt out of my pocket. There it was. I had reserved cabin B-37 for that particular cruise. Had I gone on it, I would have been dead. Once again, Dick Harrison had intervened. But why? Why was all this happening? Why was I being saved? For what reason? Was it because it was something I was supposed to do? Something I must accomplish before I died? But what? All I knew was writing. And a kind of specialized writing at that. Mostly about the supernatural... Uh... The fact is, I was being kept alive, and by Dick Harrison. Beats me, Tony. But you keep saving my life, Dick. Well, the answer could be in one of your books. Which one? Tony, you're my most important client just now, and so you know what I'm doing? I'm reading your books. Oh, don't tell me that you never... Well, Tony, uh, they were always a little bit too heavy for me, but... I found out if you stay with them. Uh, well, I'll tell you one thing. They sure changed me. Changed you how? I... I feel different. In what way? In every way. 
Mention one. I'm beginning to feel peaceful. Peaceful? What does that mean? I, I don't feel I have to be on stage all the time. I, I feel I can relax, just sit quietly and think. It's a wonderful feeling. And you said you found something in one of my books. It's no one thing, Tony. It's no one book. It's, it's all of them. All of them together. It's, it's what happens to you while you read. You, you feel like somebody's talking to you. Who? I don't know. And it doesn't matter. Somebody or something just wonderful makes you feel satisfied just to be yourself. What you're doing, Tony, is important. So important. Important? Yeah. Because it can change people. Or maybe you're just feeling blue, Dick. You don't understand. I'm feeling wonderful. Tony, maybe I was meant to be your agent. You? Why? So you wouldn't become too successful. (laughs) Well, that's a fact. I'm not too successful. But you keep writing what you're writing now. Keep writing. Believe me, Tony. This world needs it. Was that why I was being saved? Is it possible that I was actually creating a new philosophy? Was I being saved because my work was not yet done? In my mind, I quickly reviewed all that I'd ever written. Yes, it was possible that I was laying the foundation for a whole new concept of belief. It was not in any specific thing I said, but but everything pointed to a harmonious force in the universe which any one of us could make his own. Yes, perhaps that was my mission. Perhaps that's why I was being saved. My work was not yet done. Tony, I think you write some rattling good stories. But as far as any religious... I don't know how to put this. Well, how do you account for the fact that I've been saved so often, Ruthie? Well, it, it could be coincidence. I don't think so. What do you think? I don't know. Why? Why don't we just wait and see what happens? Was it coincidence? Or was I being saved from a crashing plane, from drowning, from a fire, from a dangerous automobile... By a man who not only saved me by what he did, but also because of what he was, a rather mediocre literary agent who thus kept me writing in a certain style. So I was thus destined to... to save humanity. I would have to continue to write my philosophy, and therefore I, I, I could not die. I had a tremendous feeling of power. I am, after all, only human... I couldn't help it. Is it true that I cannot die? I cannot be killed? I had to prove it to myself. I was standing on a busy corner. I deliberately stepped into the path of an onrushing automobile. Tony! Dick! Are you out of your mind? You deliberately stepped into the path of that car. Did I... Where where did you come from? Uh, I, I don't know. I just 
happened to be here. You just happened to be here? Then it's true. What's true? What's true? I can't tell you this. Why? I'm scared, Dick. I'm scared. The end of the story? We don't know. That is, we don't know yet. This is, after all, a contemporary story, and perhaps we'll find out in five or ten or twenty years. Why not? This kind of thing has been happening all through history. Every now and then, someone comes along, usually out of nowhere, and changes the thinking and or the beliefs of the world. I may have something to spur your thinking in just a few minutes. We presented a man named Anthony Warlock who could have died any number of times, but somehow his life was always being saved by the intervention of one Dick Harrison. Anthony Warlock believes it's because he, Anthony, has something of great importance to bestow upon the world. However, could it be the other way around? Does Dick keep saving Anthony because one day, Dick will have something vital to give to the world, and Anthony is the one who must financially support Dick until Dick is ready. Which one is the instrument, and which one is the player. Our cast included Ralph Bell, Bob Caliban, and E.V. Juster. The entire production was under the direction of Hyman Brown. This is E.G. Marshall inviting you to return to our mystery theater for another adventure in the macabre. Until next time, pleasant dreams. <laughs>